the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I am joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Alicia Walker. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hi. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And today's movie suggestion came from Nathan. It is Eating Raul from 1982, uh, a classic independent movie made for next to nothing. We're going to talk all about it, but first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Zach, why don't you start us off and tell us what you've been watching lately? Well, guys, I have a giant list of things, uh, but I'm going to just talk about a couple of things that I really enjoyed, which one was the John Wick series. I finally got to uh, experience that, and oh my God, did I love it. I just... Uh, I don't know how I missed this in th- theaters. Like it, it was clearly a, a thing people were into, and I was like, I love these types of movies. And somehow I'm just like, nah, whatever. I would have loved to watch those in the theaters. They're so good. I can't wait for the fourth one. So that was amazing. Um, and then I just watched Richard Jewell on HBO Max, um, and I watched most of those on HBO Max as well. I uh, finally got that Max. Um, yeah, it's kind of worth it. Uh, <laughs> and um, and I actually really liked Richard Jewell. I thought it was interesting. I kind of had remembered a little bit of that story from when I was a kid um, with the bombing that happened in Centennial Park. Um, of course, it's a Clint Eastwood film, so you know it's a very stylized Clint Eastwood uh, vibe to it. But um, overall, I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, slow. Not a whole lot of like action necessarily, other than kind of the main incident, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Not want to say fun to watch, but like, you know, uh, a fun, a film that was, super I'm glad fun. that I watched it. <laughs> super fun to watch people get hurt guys. <laughs> but, good yeah. times. Yeah. So good. Good stuff. I highly, I, you know, Aaron, you were right, man. I highly recommend that HBO max. You can't go wrong. It's so good, man. I, can, I can't stop watching it myself. Yeah. I love all the uh, Turner Classic Movie stuff on there, too, because it's got a huge collection of movies that's not just what you'd see on the channel. And it's also got some Criterion Collection. It's got anime, if you like that. It's got old-school Looney Tunes. It's, it's, it's nice got podcast a lot. is brought to you by Quibi. Quibi, <laughs> online source for original 10-minute movies that you can watch on your phone. Like the millennial Quibi, which and will be Gen Z bastard in that you are. Two months. Woohoo. Quibi's not <laughs> obsolete already. Close. I'm not only make an app that does long vines. We're going to pay millions for it. Aaron, how about you? Uh, you know, I've been building a, a horror movie collection lately. So I've been watching stuff like uh, Candyman. The other day I got Candyman 2 Farewell to the Flesh. Um, which is a, a pretty good, a pretty good sequel. Leans more into the uh, horror genre than the first one, which is more of a commentary on uh, social, socioeconomics. Now, Aaron, but, um, I know that you are a Shutter subscriber, correct? I am. Have I you am. watched the Black Noir directory or uh, documentary on Shutter? I have not. I have it on my playlist, though. Watch it. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. If you like Candyman, you'll like that. Oh, definitely. I'll give it a watch tonight, then. Yeah, Black Noir is a uh, documentary about the history of black horror movies. They just added one called um, In Search of Darkness, 
which is kind of a, a documentary about the history of horror. Uh, that's pretty good. It, it got added the other day. Um, watched a horror movie on Netflix called We Summon the Darkness, which was actually pretty good. Um, starring Johnny Knoxville. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, looks at the uh, satanic panic of the early 90s. So if, cool. if, if you like horror movies, you should, you should give it a shot. It, it was pretty good. And that's about it for me, man. Alicia, how about you? Well, uh, I didn't watch quite as much this week as last week, but I had, was kind of needing to scratch the itch for a good food travel show. I was a big Anthony Bourdain fan, and with us not getting to travel at all this summer, I was kind of wanting to do something like that. So I started watching a show that I didn't really know much about, and I didn't really know that I'd even like it, but I found it really enjoyable. It was called, on Netflix, Somebody Feed Phil. I don't know yeah. if anybody's seen this. I have. Phil, it's good. Phil Rosenthal from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond fame and good writer and producer. And he's great. He has such enthusiasm for all the places that he goes. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's definitely way on the other end of the spectrum of Anthony Bourdain with his, you know, satire and, and gloominess, which I appreciate because I just love him and his personality. But it's totally the opposite because he's totally enthusiastic and excited about anything new that he's seeing or trying or whatever. But but it's really good. I thought it was really nice and uh, just watched some of the, I guess I started it on, it, it automatically started on the latest season. So I've been watching some of season three. So watch that. Watched, um, revisited Fantastic Mr. Fox. Hadn't seen that for a lot of years. And that was good. I, you know, I like a Wes Anderson movie. I think I prefer that a little bit more uh, than Isle of Dogs, his other big animated film. But um, yeah, I'd kind of forgotten who was in that. It was fun. Cool. Brooke, how about you? Oh, where to begin? Um, I have, I started the series Dark, the German time travel sci-fi show. I think yeah. Zach has mentioned it before, maybe somebody yep. else. So I, I binged through the first season in one day. It's ah. very hard to keep track of Oof. everybody. Occasionally I had to pause and go, okay, so wait, this person is also this person and they were also that person, but then they're that person's dad. So I have to, you know, I need to draw a big diagram to follow, but it's great. Uh, big fan of that. I also discovered another um, limited series on Netflix that I, was completely off my radar. I hadn't heard of it at all, uh, but it's nominated for the Emmy for limited series. It was the only thing I hadn't seen on that list called Unorthodox. Uh, it is an excellent, I think it's four episodes. It's about Orthodox Judaism, a woman escaping that life, and the lead actress is just mind-blowingly good. Uh, never heard of her, never seen her in anything. She is nominated for an Emmy for the role and completely deserving of that. Uh, so that's my big series watches. Um, I also had a movie marathon yesterday that ran pretty much the gamut of <laughs> what you can watch. Kicked off with, of course, Eating Raul, followed by uh, Vivarium, if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Vivarium, which is, was I think we've talked about that too. That was really good led into peanut butter falcon with shia labeouf <laughs> which was a really surprisingly sweet movie that i really liked yeah. into jay and silent bob reboot which was yeah 
But that led me, see, I told you it was a long one. That led me into Tusk, the one Kevin Smith movie other yep. than Yoga Hosers, which I won't acknowledge, that I hadn't seen yet. So I finally saw Tusk, and I did not hate it yeah. like so many did. I, I appreciated it for what it was. Followed that with Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood into <laughs> an Australian, I know I'm telling you, into an Australian horror film I had not seen called The Loved Ones, which is from 2012. One for the of horror these fans. things is not like the others. <laughs> None of these things were like each other. It was one extreme to the next to the next. Wow. Like I was just, I was, I, I was all like over it, the place. It gives insight into Brooks' thought process. <laughs> really <laughs> Mr. Rogers' sandwich really between like Tusk and another horror movie. <laughs> It's like <laughs> the weirdest mind possible. But you also forget that I had Peanut Butter Falcon, which is also kind of a feel-good movie in between. Yeah, that's true. Like Jay and Silent Bob reboot, oh. and so I was. At least I can make jokes yesterday. here. I couldn't make any Anthony Bourdain or Jew jokes, so I had to had to hold no, on. My mind is a strange place to be. I, I don't know. It was something about watching Eating Raul that made me go, "Okay, now I want to watch everything from every genre at once." Yeah. So it was a weird day. It was a weird day. I'm still recuperating. I went yeah, a lot of like, places yesterday. It's like a chop suey of movie watching. It was a very strange day. Well, um, I saw a documentary slash uh, recreation of events movie called Tread on Netflix, which is about a guy who gets pissed off at a town and builds a tank out of a bulldozer and smashes the town. Um, that actually happened. The killdozer guy? Yes. <laughs> uh, I think it was like 2017 that this happened. Uh, but they made a movie out of it. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like he uh, recorded a bunch of tapes um, he doesn't survive, but, uh, he recorded a bunch of tapes, like talking about where his mindset was at. And the movie does a good job of like, not really telling you whether what he thinks went on, went on or not. And then slowly it becomes more and more revealed that, um, just how distorted his worldview was, um, and how he decided like, well, I'm just going to trash this whole town with my bulldozer that. I spent my life savings on in the last two years building. It was like bulletproof. Like they couldn't run it off the road with another large, heavy piece of machinery. And he just like drove it through the, uh, through the outside walls of a bunch of buildings and just took them down. So, um, that was very insane. I'm going to talk briefly about Shirley. It got mentioned last week, I think on here, um, did not care for that one. Uh, I thought the acting was good. I thought the story was kind of nonsense. Um, and a lot of the filmmaking just felt really precious to me. Um, just didn't, didn't, didn't work out for me. Um, I liked seeing Elizabeth Moss playing a character with like, she has kind of like a dowdy body style in this movie, which is kind of different. But apart from that, it was just like, every scene felt like it was a different director and a different, like they smoked different weed every day and just shot on whatever feeling they had. So, um, not my favorite, but it did look good. And some other people I know had watched it and liked it. Uh, and then I watched a series on Netflix called the 12, 
which had been recommended to me on Netflix about 30 times in a row. And I kept looking at it and going, I'm not awake enough to start this. Um, and then because I, I thought, and I was correct, but I thought that it was a foreign language television series. And then when I finally decided, okay, tonight's the night and I started it up, uh, Netflix started playing it with an English dub without asking me anything. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't watch these people not sync up to what they're saying. So I switched it back to Flemish. This is a Belgian movie. I switched it back to Flemish. I turned on the English subtitles and I watched the 10 episodes and it's great. Um, excellent series. Uh, it reminds me of a lot of the Nordic noir stuff that I watched a couple years ago, stuff like the Wallanders and uh, the bridge, those sorts of things. Um, ostensibly, I mean, the, the title, the 12 means uh, 12 members of a jury and the series is sort of half about some of the jury members and half about the thing that they're actually deciding on the case they're actually hearing, um, which is about a woman who is accused of killing her best friend 18 years ago and her daughter two years ago. And it's the jury's uh, decision as to whether or not she's guilty of those crimes and lots and lots of twists and turns, things you don't see coming um, all the way up until the end. So if you can handle <laughs> subtitles, I highly recommend watching the 12. If you can't handle subtitles, Netflix has got you covered. They will dumb it down with that English dub if you don't do anything about it. So um, That's what happened to me with Dark. I turned Dark on and I was the person who had recommended it to me. I was like, this isn't all dubbed, right? Because <laughs> it was dubbed with Japanese subtitles, which I definitely <laughs> didn't understand that at all. So like, what, the, what the hell does Netflix think I need? I could see how it's confused by my watching habits but still yeah hey has anybody watched the french series called the bureau i had heard a little bit about that and how great it was i don't think it's as available on the standard streaming apps i think you have to seek it out on some other uh streaming services but i've heard that's excellent i've heard several people say it's one of the best series they've seen i haven't seen that I haven't one. heard of that one there's there's some french uh mystery uh set over uh, over a season that I watched. I can't think of the title off the top of my head, but I didn't care for it very much. Um, French series, I tend to like get... They don't click for me for whatever reason. Um, there's too much like... I don't know, like everybody's sleeping with everybody sort of things going on in them, and it just doesn't... They don't really weave it into the story very well. It's just like... Okay, so the the lead prosecutor has slept with everyone on the show now, um, including the men. I guess this is France. Here we go. <laughs> um, Nathan, what have you been watching lately? Um, you know, obviously I've watched quite a few things that Alicia has also watched, um, but the only thing that really stands out was... Um, you know, we've got the HBO Max, so we've been trying to pick at some of the um, Criterion-esque movies that are on that list there. Uh, and One that we actually sat through uh, was Mikey and Nikki, which is a Peter Falk, John Cassavetes uh, film. It's actually written and directed by John Cass... No, sorry. May. Written by Elaine May. And directed by Elaine May. And directed by Elaine mm -hmm. May, sorry. 
screws excuse that part but anyways uh she's uh responsible for it i it's it's obviously like a maybe a first time out filmmaking experience um it's got ned Beatty in it most of the conversations and scenes are really just the two main characters talking to each other where there's supposed to be this like pursuit of the two characters happening they're they're running from the mob or something like that there are some extra scenes that kind of happen on a totally different set where the people are from the mob are actually talking about how to get a hold of kill this one guy uh john cassavetti's character uh whereas uh, peter falk is trying to basically save him or at least you think anyways it's it's just i don't know what to say about it aside from it's just a little bit boring and, and not quite as well made as i'd like it to be but it is an interesting outing as a first-time film director it seems like so enjoy that. that's cool well in the vein of Peter Falk, there is just one more thing to talk about, and that is <laughs> Eating Raul, uh, which Nathan suggested. I had seen that before. Uh, I was probably uh, late teens, early 20s, the first time that I saw it. Is there anyone who had not seen it before? Aaron, Alicia, Zach. Okay. Let's start with Alicia so we can watch the fireworks over there. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm really torn on this. There were definitely parts where I laughed out loud. You could tell the low production value right away. I kind of thought for a long time I was watching like late 70s, early early 80s porn. Um, and especially with the acting. Uh, but and, and the nudity. I mean, there's a lot of sex. So there's also that. But um it was there were parts I really thought were funny, little gags, little things that were funny more because of how bad they were than how good they were, if that makes sense. But um, but then yeah, there's a lot of like like what's wrong with all these men? You know what I mean? Like the whole world is filled with swingers that can't control themselves and will attack any woman they see, <laughs> you know, at the drop of a hat. So uh, or else there's just something in, in particular so magnetic about. Uh, the character Mary that people just cannot keep their hands off of that woman with the see-through white bra because oh my god like we got to have her right this moment um, so it, you know there were th I laughed quite a few times uh, you know it's one of those things where I think I was more uncomfortable with the concept of things in a lot of ways than you know watching it I felt like it was like a meatballs or something like that in some ways too on a lot of that stuff um, I, uh, I, I thought right from the beginning, based on the title, they would be eating people. I thought once they started killing people, you, you got the cast iron pan, let's fry them up. You know, you got the real estate guy coming for dinner on the first night, the chicken's ruined, let's just cut him up and serve him up that first night. So I kind of thought the eating would happen a little bit earlier myself. But, uh, you know, I think it, it's just as long as it needs to be, maybe a little too long, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's I don't. 83 I don't know. Eighty-three minutes. Yeah, and that could that might have been a little too long. I don't know, but um, I mean, some of the funny, like the swingers party. There's a lot of fun to have there. Love seeing Buck Henry. Love seeing Edie McClurg. I cannot get enough of them. So bring them on with the big disco ball earrings and whatever, and you're going to get a giggle. I don't know. It's I'm I'm torn about. There's things I like, but things I really don't like. So. I don't know if I can make a one word 
opinion on this one word uh verdict oh, no one's asking for that that's not possible oh good that's yeah. so good. Aaron, what did you think man the five minutes into this movie i had to pause it and see who uh who suggested it because <laughs> I, I was just i was completely blown away it's okay the movie started oh somebody's trying to rape this woman Two minutes later, another person has like broken into their apartment and is now yep. trying to rape this woman. And uh, yep. what is happening in this movie? <laughs> the The first twenty minutes are pretty rough to get through because it's setting up the story, and obviously that has to do with a lot of attempted rape. But once the idea comes along that oh you know maybe we should take advantage of this sex charge society and 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 kill these people it it finally becomes a little bit amusing and i i I actually started to enjoy the movie at that point and i i was sitting there and i'm i'm watching this movie and i've never seen it before but I knew these characters, and I could not figure out where from. So I, I did a, a dive on the internet to try to figure it out. The two main actors had played their characters in the movie Chopping, Chopping Mall. Yeah, yeah, and I, it took me forever to to realize that, but uh, I thought that was that was pretty nifty. Um, Overall, I thought the movie was was actually pretty good. Um, you just have to struggle through those opening minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think it it opens like a lot of horror opens. Um, a lot of horror comedies open. Um, it is also early '80s LA, so anything goes. The scene, the the very first murder. Where he, um, she's getting assaulted in the kitchen, and he starts hitting this guy just ineffectually with with a <laughs> the cast iron skillet. <laughs> it is. I watched that scene probably five times. I laugh so hard. He's just like, uh. <laughs> it is so. It is so funny, Zach. What did you think of Eating Rebel? Yeah, it was a movie I watched. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of stand with Aaron in a certain capacity where I was like, you know, the beginning it was like, L.A., a debaucherous town, da-da-da-da. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I get what they're going for here. And then there's a lot of assaults and uh, potential rapes and things. I mean, I didn't hate it. I, it definitely wasn't one where I was like, ah, shit, why am I being forced to watch this? Um, but, like, I could appreciate some of the humor for sure. Um, and sort of like the, I don't know, I want to say, like, uh, haphazardness to it all. Um, the kind of, like, cheesiness a little bit with the murders. Like, there's one where the dude, he opens the door and he just goes, quunk. And barely touches the guy, and the guy's like, oh, and falls to the floor, and you're just like, it's so stupid. 
Um, and then I love this, of course, because of the uh, like time period. They're like, this guy's got nearly $500 on him. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're killing people for chump change. I mean, it's just like, like of course, swingers just have money because that's how swingers work. Um, it was sort of like, it was like watching, I felt like, it, it, in terms of level of pornography, it was like they took Caligula and um, Debbie does Dallas, and they were like, "How can we make something out of like in between those two, but as a comedy?" And right. uh, I thought I was like, "I don't know," because I mean, it, yeah, there's just there's just some funny moments. Um, all in all, like I said, it, it's just like it's not one that I'm gonna like necessarily go back to. And I did kind of think too what Alicia was saying with the eating thing. I was like. When are they going to get to the eating thing? Like, of course, the title is sort of a catch to it. So when's that? And then, of course, they get to the dog food stuff. And I was like, okay, I guess that sort of makes sense. But they really, you know, they drop it on you at the end there. And, um, of course, and then he refer. I think there, there's the reference to veal. Like when the real estate guy comes by the first and he's like, we're having veal tonight. He's like, oh, you shouldn't have. It's my favorite. And then later on, it's like now they have the veal, but it's Raul and uh, it's silly stuff. But. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that was just one of those ones that definitely I missed in, at some point in my life, had never heard about, had never thought about watching, would never have stumbled upon. And then somebody recommends it and you're like, aha, aha. Okay. Yeah. I think it's Thank one you. of those movies that like, if you're, if you have a group of friends that sort of around college age gets into movies or weird movies or independent movies or something like that, eventually someone's going to come across eating Raul and decide to share it with the rest of the, the group. So yeah. that's how I saw oh, it. Or yeah, kind of, I felt kind of like Porky's too, a little bit, you know? Yeah. Oh. But it, Porky's is more of like, uh, like a teenage boy movie and yeah. eating Raul is more of like an independent film lover movie. It's not quite as like, it's not quite as male fantasy as Porky's True. is. True. I loved the fact that uh, Ed Begley Jr. was one of the random murders. Yeah. Like, what? They, they, they got a, a relatively known character actor to be in this. Well, not at the which, time. So, like, uh, only three people from this movie are still known to theater audiences, which is Edie McClurg, Ed Begley Jr., and... Uh, um, Buck Henry? Yeah, Buck Henry. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, the rest of the people aren't there. Um, <clears throat> the main couple were supposed to be in a sequel for this movie, and the guy who wrote and directed uh, both of them died like shortly after securing the financing for it and uh, inviting Mary Woolery to to come back. But like they were going to make a sequel to this in like 1989. Because it, I mean, it was a hit, like, as far as a movie made for, like, $300 goes. Well, I, now, did you read, Dale, what the title was supposed to be for the sequel? Because I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I forget. Go ahead. Bland Ambition. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right, folks. I think that was one of the best parts of the movie was the they wanted a restaurant and they really liked wine and their name was Bland. Shea, Shea was Bland. Like, That's fantastic. It was going to be the name of the restaurant. That's the one that the yeah. guy wanted was Shea Bland. 
Well, it's all oh. those little things are the things that really made me laugh. You know, like him sleeping with the stuffed wine bottle. Oh God, yeah. Uh, you know, like <laughs> when they're at the big swingers party. Pillow. Yeah. When they're at the big swingers party uh, that they go to at the house and like everyone jumps into that hot tub at once, they're all just running all these naked people to the big yeah. hot tub. And then, of course, they throw the electrical appliance in there. You know, things like that, like Doris, uh, you know, Doris, the dominatrix at home with the baby. You the know, dominatrix baby was so you know, Those good. little things are what I thought were really funny. And that kid was hilarious, too. Just watch the kid through the scenes, and he was doing all sorts of weird stuff. The, the wine bottle body pillow like had my vote for the best like set decoration of the entire movie <laughs> until we got to the scene where like the guy was dressed up as a Nazi, and they had a throw pillow with a swastika on it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when when they're having a serious conversation about like what they're gonna do uh when when they're talking with Raul and there's just Nazi memorabilia everywhere and they're just act they're they're not even acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Well that's when he well, broke they, in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He broke in and he but just they, sees all everywhere and he's like, All right. <laughs> They invest as sex workers quite a bit of money in the uh, set decoration of their of their apartment. I just you love know, that for she each made, client that she made a a throw pillow, a swastika throw pillow for him. Yeah, I also found the sense of urgency every time that she was being assaulted very like <laughs> casual, like because then her, either the husband would come over and he'd like kind of grab the guy and he'd be like please get off my wife and it's like and then the other guy wouldn't even fight that hard he'd be like listen man i gotta have her it's like well, he, so he was quirky. always uh the husband is always like you know you you gotta make you gotta make it right to kill him so i have to wait until he actually does something bad right for me to come in and like she fakes it that that first time oh yeah he just won't come in he's like please stop doing this thing to me ow you're hurting me please please stop and he comes around the corner and she's just standing there like three feet away from him and the guy's like what are you talking about so brooke what are your thoughts on eating raul immediate thought um was why the hell did my parents let me watch this as a kid (laughs) i remember watching this when i was so young like, in fact, and I, I swear to God, I know I remember this. When I was a kid, at some point, you had to pick your favorite movie, whatever, in school. And I chose Eating Raul. And Whoa. I'm sure <laughs> my <laughs> teachers what? were horrified. I mean, I was like five when this came out, but I've, yeah. I saw oh. it multiple times. I, what the hell is wrong with my parents? I remember watching this movie, and I haven't seen it since I was a kid. So as soon as you mentioned it last week as the movie, I was like, okay, this is this is going to give me some clarity. I I didn't remember anything about it, but as I was watching little scenes were coming back, it explains so much about what's wrong with me that I was a small child watching this. Like, I, I just don't even know. Um, I mean, it held up in a way. I did laugh a lot. It's... It's got its its share of weirdness, and it is. Uh, it, I wouldn't say it's the best thing I've ever seen, but I got some laughs out of it. Um, you know, I like like the line about you know, can we get a new frying pan? I'd rather. Or I get queasy thinking of cooking with one we've killed people with. Yeah. And her beating him with the chicken was funny. It had some good funny stuff. I, I mean, you know, I don't know what I saw in it at five. 
other than probably the fact I knew I shouldn't be watching it, and there was a lot of stuff I shouldn't be seeing, but it was okay. Just really, really like Mary Waranov's nipples. <laughs> I don't know what it was because that's it, like it that should be the subtitle of the movie. Yeah, that's all it is. I just and the, the minute I saw her in the little Minnie Mouse costume, it, I flashback. <laughs> I remembered that part when I was a kid, and I'm sure I did not understand what was going on at all. But yeah, just kind of a nice little uh, trip down memory lane that this was my favorite childhood movie. Yeah, what the hell I would is wrong have. With me? I would have probably forgotten about um, most of the nudity and stuff in it, um, just because it's not. It's not super memorable, but it's definitely there. Um, they keep things pretty, even though like the context of what they're doing, like when they go to the swingers party and there's the orgy and that kind of stuff, and then the guy just throws that heater into the jacuzzi and it's like the greatest <laughs> kill in the whole movie, and it's just like this throwaway thing that happens. Um, yeah, I always this is kind of a what I would call like a party movie. As opposed to like a uh, a sit down and experience it kind of movie, because it really feels just like a bunch of semi connected sketches strung together, and every one of those sketches has a joke in it that's unique to that part of it. Um, they don't do a whole lot of like callbacks and things like that. It, it seems very disconnected, and then there's like th- sort of a narrative that does flow through it. That's just sort of basic like these guys need money so they're doing things to get money and and that's what's happening um it does make sense after reading that the movie was shot in 20 days over two years (laughs) they shot it real real slow um and part of the reason for that was that uh it was shot on film it was not all shot on the same kind of film or even the same like size of film because they mostly <laughs> used unused bits of film from other productions. Uh, some of which had like mold growing on it. And so they would shoot and just take it to the development lab and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> so this was like a very, very, very low budget production. Um, and um, for some reason, I thought the guy that played Raul had written and directed the movie, but I think it's just because Bartel and Beltran kind of run together in my head. I thought they were the one and the same person. Um, but, you know, I never saw Robert Beltran in anything else. Um, it also feels like, and, and I, I feel like this is be something that Joe Bob would talk about if they ever did that movie on on his show, but it feels to me like a group of theater actors made this movie uh, and not necessarily good ones. Uh, (laughs) Like it was just kind of like a group of friends, theater actor friends. Uh, It feels almost like a 1970s movie made by a New York theater group that were just like, Oh, we can make a movie. Just point things at this and, and we'll act and it'll be fine. And you know, Mary will take her, take her top off. It'll be great. And, that's kind of how the movie feels to me. Um, it's definitely not like, I mean, as an independent movie and, and as far as like what you can do with very little, it's a great example for that. Like as a filmmaker, I think it's a good, interesting film to watch. Um, 
the comedy is there, but it again feels like it feels like so many either inside jokes or just like they're they're trying to go for this, especially at the beginning, it's trying to go for this almost like naked gun sort of feel where everyone's acting seriously, but the most random, ridiculous things are happening around them and in the background. And yeah. they never really commit to that and pull it off. Um, so it just sort of jumps genres and jumps tones, um, probably because, you know, it had been 70 days since the last minute of film had been shot. So... <laughs> um, as is our tradition on this show, I must ask Nathan, what the fuck? <laughs> why did you why did you eating Raul? WTF, eh? Um, well, so I actually have some recollection of watching this as a fairly young kid myself. I don't I don't remember how I got a hold of this movie because my parents were strictly like you're not old enough to watch an R-rated movie. I I missed out on all kinds of R-rated movies that every other kid in the world saw such as the Alien franchise, the Predator franchise, all that stuff, I had to watch as an adult. Uh, somehow, I watched Eating Raul. Um, and I barely remembered it, but I saw that it was actually a Criterion movie, which just cracked me up. Yep. And I thought, this would be, even if it's super divisive, at least an entertaining conversation. Because I remember just oh, yeah. enough about the tone of the movie to go, okay, I remember it was kind of silly. And to me, it like it fits like right down the middle between like a, a John Waters movie and like Kentucky Fried movie. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it looks significantly better than it did in the eighties. Like Criterion cleaned it up and and made it nice. Yeah. Um, I I watched it on HBO Max and they have the Criterion logo version of it. So yeah, and I can see that like Criterion does tend to like honor groundbreaking low budget how did this production get made let's protect this movie sort of thing versus this was a critical darling and that sort of thing it's more like them saying no this deserves to be remembered for what it is and what it does yeah, and, that, and that, as a fan of criterion i've discovered a lot of their picks are not necessarily great movies but they are specific to uniqueness or something that makes them want to kind of preserve it because it doesn't exist any other way. Yeah, it's their um, curation method rather than, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, budget of or, or uh, metric of how much money it made or how popular it's become on rewatch or what the critics thought later of it or any of that sort of stuff. And, and actually, one of the things that stuck out to me, I'll just kind of mention it here, is Robert Beltran. His famous role is obviously from Star Trek Voyager um, as Chakotay, a Native American crew member. Yeah. Whereas here, he's obviously going for uh, Mexican. So I'd have to look at his actual racial he's mix Chicano. to know which one he is, Chicano, or if he's yes. actually Native American. But one of them ain't right. <laughs> um, so... But, you know, I think I took it as straight up satire all the way. Um, there was I heard a lot of people talk about the rape scenes. Yes, I agree. They don't they would not fly today. Uh, but taken given the, the, the passage of time and things have changed, but also almost in the same kind of like uh, blazing saddles spirit of making fun of something that isn't right. 
I kind of felt like that's where this sort of sat if you looked at it through the right squinty eyes. Um, so that part didn't necessarily bother me. It was just more of just silliness. And I think that's what this movie is. It's just pure silliness for the sake of silliness. And yeah. I I think anybody watching this would at least crack up. I mean, it's just damn crazy what's going on in this film. And I liked it again. I I I... I I don't think it's a well-made, good movie. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, but I do think it was damn entertaining to watch. Yeah, and I I mean, I don't consider the rapes and stuff that happened in this movie to be gratuitous, um, particularly compared to, like, all the horror that Aaron and I watch. Like, 1970s horror, um, you know, there's there's movies that, that, like, revolve around rape or rape revenge, that are like so much, so much more gratuitous and ridiculous over the top uh, than this. You can go back to um, something like I spit on your grave, um, or you can go to um, a more recent movie like teeth, um, which is about exactly what you think it's about. um, Rape revenge movie. Um, So, you know, I, I didn't think they were going overboard with that. I think that was more of just, um, the times and and setting up the storyline and kind of putting us in the putting us on the side of the killers like these guys deserve it they're perverts they're you know sex maniacs or whatever and um, it's fine to kill them for for money um, by the way I, I did I had to go to the inflation calculator while I was watching this a <laughs> um, dollar in 1982 is worth uh, uh, two dollars and sixty cents in 2020. So they were making two and a half times whatever it was that they were stealing from people in in 1982 money. Yeah. So a lot of people carrying around a thousand dollars equivalent today, uh, in uh, yeah, the or more. Apparently, like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. Which, that's a I mean, shitload of money. If you're a swinger, well, maybe if you're hiring Doris, paying, paying but, for swinging things, right? I guess that's, maybe that's standard. I don't know. You're going to, they drive a lot of good cars too. I mean, I wouldn't know what a, those services would be worth today, honestly. But maybe someone here knows. <laughs> did you look yeah, that up, Dale? So what those services would cost? I didn't need to just from uh, my normal <laughs> everyday life. Um, you know, a good dominatrix. Yeah, it can be. You know four or five hundred dollars an hour easily so you know and then just depending on depending on how far you want it to go or you know whether your wife gets involved too you know that sort of stuff um, but you have to admit they this have is to be all losing bullshit money. by the way for people that can't yes. see my face <laughs> on the podcast but e- even just logic would tell you the amount of money they're spending in order to set the props up for all these things for stitching those individual pillows. things like yeah creating all that nazi nostalgia goodness right <laughs> uh for one guy to bonk him on the head and get five hundred dollars out of him there's no way they made a penny on that <laughs> right <laughs> well at one point at one point, she's like, how much do you think it would cost to have, like, handcuffs in the wall? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, right. that's just going to be a prop. That's I mean, she's not she even asks really going to use that. I just want to display handcuffs on the wall. Mm-hmm. Could you set that up for me? And he's like, why? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I did keep waiting for Edie McClurg. She had a whole cameo in the movie. Um, she's barely in it. And I think... Uh, 
the reason that she was in it and a lot of like they got a lot of their extra actors for this from the groundlings in LA. So I'm, sh- I, I think that's where Ed Begley Jr. Came from as well. Uh, but Edie McClurk for sure was part of that. The guy that ran the porn shop that was like eating an apple violently at the guy. Um, <laughs> that part was offered originally to Paul Rubens to play and he specifically said that the other guy, the guy that ended up playing it, would be better at it than him. So that's how that guy got the part. Otherwise, Paul Rubens would have been the porn shop guy in this movie. The porn shop guy was one guy where I was just like, man, I hope he gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was so annoying. He was so hilarious. You're not 18. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Look, you use this dildo. You're gonna have to get lube. What was trail mix flavor? Trail mix. Made up flavors. That was that was the last flavor he listed, and the guy's like trail mix. He's like, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Jesus, but you're gonna need lube for that. Like that's it's more of a prop. It's more eh, not gonna really do anything with it. He's heard noises going on in the other room, Mm -hmm. which is great. Oh yeah. Well, and can we just, can we talk about really tight pants, really tight pants on a lot of guys in this movie? 1982. I know. I mean, that was what cracked me up at the end of the porn shop scene, actually, because there's that guy in the background who's shopping in a case or on the bookshelf or something, and then he turns around, has this weird expression on his face with these horribly tight pants, and then he just like waddles off in this weird way. Which I guess, like, I mean, part of the, like, whole 70s vibe or early 80s vibe of this is, yeah, it came out in 82, but they started shooting it in 80. So they must have written it in, like, 79 or early 80 and gotten at least the leads to agree to be in it in 1980. And um, the female lead, like, she had to be down for this shit, and they found her. Well, her and the director, like, were like best friends they starred in like 16 movies together yeah she was also part of uh andy warhol's group so one of one of my favorite things in the movie is at at the very beginning of the movie they are complete prudes yeah but as this stuff goes on all of this all all of this sex and debauchery just kind of becomes old hat to them um, the scene right after her and Raul sleep together for the first time, mm-hmm. she's sitting there talking to her husband. And she picks up a belt, or at least you think it's a belt, and then all of a sudden she starts putting it around her neck as a collar. Yeah. It, all the while just having a normal conversation, and that scene was so hilarious to me. Yeah. I also like the scene where like Raul was trying to convince her to split the money with him, and he 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 murders the guy because the uh, the husband is out running an errand so he murders the guy and she's lying there with her her top strewn open and he's just like counting out bills onto her chest and she's just like mhm uh-huh yeah yeah okay just like you know this is a thing that happens to me all the time <laughs> and the, he gives her he gives her the hippie's joint yeah yeah, and what she calls a tide a stick. Tie yeah. stick. Yeah. Just just like 
one puff and she is gone. <laughs> like immediately, <laughs> there's no downtime or anything. She's just reefer madness, man. <laughs> it was, it was so good, and the, and the hippie was Ed Begley Jr. Actually, yeah. Uh, God, that there was a weird like a uh, this it's kind of a weird thing, but I think they did it intentionally. But like when they got rid of the first body, they put it down the like, garbage chute thing or whatever. So it's completely open when they put the compactor. body down trash compactor but then he puts a grate back over the spot and the sign says do not throw stuff down here or yeah. something like that it's like wait a second what well that <laughs> comes back later because it breaks that's why they oh, need yeah. to order the bodies <laughs> right but it's uh yeah the, the first time they throw somebody down it they both stand there and you can like just hear like distant sounds of like a little piece hitting one of the floors and like you're you're hearing it like they're trying to make sure that it gets all the way down to the bottom uh, floor, and they're like, eh, "It sounds like it got stuck, but it probably pretty close anyway." So, yeah. in a world where just bodies and trash is, you know, it's normal. Yeah, it's no big deal. Eh, what are you gonna do? It's just a swinger. Nobody's gonna miss a swinger. Well, they live in a crowded apartment complex, and. They just freely walk in and out with bodies wrapped in trash cans. No problem. Not not even an issue. And yeah. it's multiple per night. Hey, hey, it's L.A., Aaron. We oh. all know right. Right. that Sorry. L.A. is just people are doing yes. that on a regular basis anyway. Right, Zach? Zach, yes, is, can, is this true to life? It's very true to life. I walk outside. I see trash bags. And I assume that they're bodies. Um, you know, it's very normal. Um, I myself am not a swinger. Thank goodness. I don't have the money for it. Uh, so <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm one day here. you'll hit it big and then you, pff, there you go. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, uh, the, the bodies with like one trash bag and the legs sticking out. That was like always their, their method. <laughs> then Raul will just throw oh, them over oh. his shoulder and walk out. What was the thing where he go? Raul goes to sell the body, and there there was like too much appendages, so he gave him like less on the dollar for it. And he's like it's supposed to be fifty cents a pound, and he's like, yeah, this is you too many appendages. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, of course, it's going into the dog too food. Too many bones. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, in the commercial where they're eating the dog food, and the family is all eating the dog food with the the stuffed dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this, uh, uh, you, you said John Waters. It brought to mind to me, um, uh, like I said before, like it kind of was going for like a airplane or naked gun feel at some points. Um, it also felt a lot like a Lloyd Kaufman movie, just not as hard onto the like horror or, or gore aspects. Lloyd Kaufman being the, the trauma guy. Um, and uh kind of mel brooks kind i mean it's not as jokey as mel brooks like that side didn't really come through so much um but it did also feel like like the outtakes from a christopher guest movie (laughs) (laughs) like the shit he wouldn't put in there that like yeah people were just improvising yeah like well this this joke didn't land let's not use that one if uh if someone out there liked this movie what else would we recommend that they see 
I mean, I would say John Waters. That would be my first stop. Like this is this is just a slight bridge over from John Waters movies. Most of them, not not a hairspray necessarily, but some of the w- weirder ones. Yeah, yeah. I would say just go watch some like late seventies, early eighties porn. It's yeah. probably just as good and just mm-hmm. as funny. Like what was it? Young Lady Chatterley's Lover was one that I stumbled across as a kid. Uh, Debbie does Dallas. Listen, my oh, dad had a. I got one for oh, you. What is happening yeah. here? I got one for you. <laughs> if you want to go uh, uh, the porn route, the absolute <laughs> perfect uh, companion piece to this is the X-rated Alice in Wonderland musical. Yeah. Hmm. Better movie that was than this. Crazy. Better movie than this. <laughs> um, full musical numbers. And uh, and and sex scenes, hmm. actual real porn scenes. Why not? Yeah, that, that's we another. We did need more of a, a musical soundtrack when a lot of the weird swingers party scenes were happening. I think. Yeah, they needed like I mean, and they had one. There was like some band that had credit for like almost every song that was in the movie. Um, that I saw at the end. Los Lobos? Well, I read that Los Lobos did the Spanish devil, devil with in the blue, blue dress. dress on. So they did. How about that? They did. But there was like a band named Logo or something that did like every other song in the movie. But it needed mm-hmm. like Oingo Boingo or something like that to do a real <laughs> soundtrack for it. Talking Heads or something like that. Just something really quirky and, and goofy to put in there. So, uh, The Forbidden Zone would be another movie that I would recommend. Better movie than Eating Raul. Um, and that one's old school Oingo Boingo. Before they were Oingo Boingo, back when they were the Mystic Knights of Oingo Boingo. So, <laughs> uh, as far as suggestions go, it is somebody's turn. So, Zach. What movie would you like to suggest for us to watch next time? Let's see. Let's do um, Mother by um, not the not the Aronofsky? the crazy not the Aronofsky Albert one. Brooks? The no the Bong um, June like the guy who did Parasite. Uh, the two thousand nine movie. Yeah, yeah. Bong Joon Ho's Mother. Nice. Yes. Sounds good. Well, thanks everybody for discussing eating Raul. We will see you on the next episode of the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.